Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast, I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Hi, today we're going to be talking about trains, drains and remains. Okay, so today I'm joined by my friend Marilyn. I'm Marilyn Green. I'm a heritage professional and qualified tour guide for the City of London. And I also specialise in the Hampstead and Highgate and North London areas. You can get in touch with me by my website, walkingtalkingculture.com. Dot co dot uk or via the cooperative of guides known as Footprints of London. Now, Marilyn, when I'm driving my taxi around in London, um, obviously I am an expert on the streets, as are all my London cabbie colleagues. But do you know what I was thinking the other day? And it's one of the reasons I've asked you to come and have a chat with me. I wonder what's underneath me while I'm driving around. So... You're the person yeah, to ask. Yeah, so, well, I'm, I do a walking tour called Trains, Drains and Remains, and um, I start at Blackfriars, and I think that's a really interesting place to start because... Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, sure. Are they called Blackfriars for the logical reason? Yes, Blackfriars are called Blackfriars because they wore black robes, but I'll come more into that later okay. on. Yes, so uh, the round, the area around Blackfriars, um, I'll call it that for now because that's where Blackfriars uh, Road Bridge is. Uh, that's the second road bridge there from um, 1869. There was a, an earlier one from... Eight, uh, 1769, um, and that was when they first sort of built over where the River Fleet was. Right, um, the River yeah. Fleet came in, um, coming rising in Hampstead and Highgate. It came in to um, the Thames at that point um, and was an area which became very, very polluted over the centuries. So it, all sorts of offal and uh, dyeing and materials and uh, um, excrement. You, you don't want to know what the kind of stuff that was <laughs> no, going in imagine. there. I can imagine. Um, and um, so they, they built over it. Um, right. That's what's where New Bridge Street is. Um, and so at that point, that area becomes a bit more developed. 
Um, and then you probably know about, again, to do with the, the, the dirt and the stink of the Thames and the great stink of 1858, where the Thames was so, so disgusting that even the members of Parliament had to move off to Oxford. They then employed uh, Joseph Bazalgette to create the sewer system of London. So that whole area, we've got the, the embankment and the Chelsea embankment, uh, which are going, obviously, further west right. of the city, um, is where they um, they reclaim land um, in, from the Thames and they built the sewer system. But at the same time, the um, what became the district line uh, came came up with the idea of building their cut and cover tube line, which um, terminated at Blackfriars in 1870. Right. So it actually got there before the mainline station. Okay. Uh, where is, did the district... So it, it terminated at Blackfriars, and where did it start from? Um, it started, I think, in Paddington. Ah, OK. Right. And yeah, it, makes it sense. terminated at Blackfriars, and then it terminated a year later at Mansion House. So they were just, as they extended it, there were different right. um, uh, ter termination points, okay. really. And the term cut and cover... Yeah, cut and cover is the first type of uh, underground trains were built literally underneath the roads. So they're, they're, they're not very far underneath um, the ground. Right. So they literally cut the road out and then covered it over again, built a sort of little tunnel for them to go in. And that's why you can often get a Wi-Fi system and use your mobile phone if you're in a district or circle line train. Whereas <laughs> I'm very if careful you go on I'm a, driving down deep, those roads. <laughs> deep level one, no way. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. That, so presumably the district line is still closer to the surface. It's still closer to the surface. And if you go into embankment gardens, for example, there are these sort of um, holes at the side which allow steam out because the first trains were actually steam trains. Yeah, I've seen pictures, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so they needed to let the air out. Oh, so. right, yeah, it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, things you don't often think about. So anyway, let's go back to Blackfriars. Yeah. And I now I've learned that the, the reason it's called yeah. Blackfriars. I sort of half-guessed it, but you've confirmed so it So basically you've got tubes under the ground there, you've got sewers and gas pipes, all that kind of thing under right. the ground there. Um, and then you've also got these, it's very strange, you've got these three bridges like right close together and two of them are railway bridges. So right. you've got the road bridge, as I just mentioned. Yes. But then at the, the same time in the 1860s, building the road bridge uh, by Joseph, uh, Joseph Cubitt, they built this first railway bridge for um, Blackfriars Bridge Station and the station there was actually on the South Bank. I've seen train. it. There's, there's sort of development gone on there, isn't there? I think apartments or something have gone above Yeah, it now. there's still some like ghost writing and the arches yeah. on the South Bank which say that, um, I think it says Charing Cross Railway, which was very short-lived as that. Um, and, and then it was used by the um, Chatham and Kent and Dover Railway, so there's still some insignia on the South Bank for that remaining. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Um, uh, so, Sister Inchatches, sorry. So, Blackfriars Station was originally south of the river. The original Blackfriars Bridge Station was yeah. on the south of the river, but not for that long. Okay. And then they built another station on the north bank in the 1870s, 80s, um, which was called St Paul's Station. Ah, uh, this is and interesting. Is, and let, there me is, just, let me just stop myself getting confused. So, where the current Blackfriars Station is on that sort of site, roughly... Yeah. 
they built a station. They didn't call it Blackfriars, they called it St Paul's. Exactly. Okay. So that was St Paul's Station. Right. And this was a mainline station, but obviously the, the tube came through there as well. The tube came there earlier, actually. Um, and so they then built a bridge um, there, which forms the base of Blackfriars uh, Railway Bridge today. But, of okay. course, when we look at it today, it looks very modern because yeah. it was redeveloped and completed in 2012 as a solar panel bridge and it's a, a train bridge that goes right across the Thames. An amazing experience to go in it on a train there. So that came into St Paul's Station. Right. Now and we that, must emphasise that was the that's the old St Paul's Station. That's the old St Paul's okay. Station. Uh, if I'll ask you another question later. It's in the up yeah. there. Yeah, um, but yes, you might be confused. It's called Blackfriars Station. It was changed to Blackfriars Station in 1937. Oh, right, as recently as that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, let's carry on because I don't want to jump the gun. You know what I'm going to ask you in a minute. But anyway, we'll wait till we get up there. So basically, we are then going to walk through the area which is gives the name to the area, Blackfriars. So yeah. um, the reason the area is called Blackfriars was there was this huge monastery there from the 13th century until the 16th century. And the friars wore black. The friars were Dominican monk friars and they wore black robes, exactly. And they were really, imp- it was a really important um, uh, monastery for many, many years. Um, even the state archives were kept there for a time. Uh, oh, Henry VIII, had, before he, he, dis- he broke away it. from the yeah. monasteries, I mean, his um, the court case for Catherine of Aragon took place there. Catherine Parr's parents, his last wife's parents, were buried there. So there's a lot of connections um, for it. And it, again, it was used as um, for parliamentary reasons when... Um, Parliament couldn't be used for whatever reason okay. in Westminster as well. But that all came to an end in 1838, in, sorry, 1538, I should say, um, when Henry, Henry VIII dissolved the monasteries. Yes. Um, and then the buildings got used for other purposes, one being as a playhouse um, for um, the king's men. Uh, so we can talk about, and which um, William Shakespeare had a share in. Oh. So there's a connection with Shakespeare around there. So there right. was actually the Black Flyers Playhouse there until um, until the uh, Civil War, basically. Right. Um, and then we pass through that area, but we still find a remain of masonry from the Black Friars Monastery, probably f- um, from um, the... Um, mess room, I think it was okay. from... Um, or and uh, so that's in a little park. There's a little park um, which would have been from St Anne's Church. So although they dissolved the monastery, they had to still build a parish church. Well, if you go there, you can't find St Anne's Church. It burnt down in the Great Fire of London. But hidden away in this area, a little network of alleys and lanes, there are two little gardens which are former churchyard gardens. And one of these has this piece of masonry from Blackfriars. And it's the only piece above ground that's remaining uh, remaining, um, in situ. Yeah. Uh, you can find other places around London which have got bits of Blackfriars Monastery in it. I found a church in Gospel Oak, for example, which had a column in. Really? Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> That's you, 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 you do find it scattered <laughs> and around. Moved around. Oh, um, right. Okay. 
anyway, you come out through them. There's actually a pub um, and you come out through there where there would have been a gateway into the monastery and actually where um, William Shakespeare had a lodging. He had a house and the deeds of that are in the Guildhall Library. Um, and then we cross over by St Paul's Cathedral and through Paternoster Square. And then we'll get to that point where... You uh, know what I'm going to ask you, aren't you? We're, we're, so we're, can, we're I ask get... you, can I ask you Indeed, now? Indeed, yes. Put St Paul's Station was originally where Blackfriars Station is. What was St Paul's Station called? That's right. So St Paul's Station, uh, the tube on the um, central line, was originally Post Office Station. Post Office Station? That's right, Post Office Station. So if I get... I will find one, I promise you. If I can get a pre-sort of 1930s tube map, it will show me... Blackfriars are St Paul's and St Paul's is Postman's. That's right, as post office. Post office. Because that was where um, all the general post office buildings were. So this was the main centre for the post office at the time, right up until that period, until the 30s. Um, So there were right buildings built from the early part of the Victorian, even before the Victorian period, so from the 19th century, all through the 19th century post office buildings were built in that area around the St Paul's area Newgate Street, that area Um, and so it was was really, really important but you know, when people stopped associating the area with the post office uh, so much, um, there was no need to call it that and also the realisation it was closer to St Paul's Cathedral yes, yeah, than Blackfriars yeah. so I'd just it made be confused more sense getting up to going to name. work one I morning. mean what you've got to remember is that all these tube lines were private lines originally nothing was connected right um, yes the that's only, understandable certainly these um, they were all in competition with one another so at that time you still you did get several stations with the same names and when in the 1930s when um the uh, London Passenger Transport Form formed that unified most of the lines together. Right. And it became under an umbrella, which is what today is uh, Transport for London. So it's not really until the 30s that there was any kind of coherent plan. A few of the the deep-level stations, the Piccadilly, the Northern and the Bakerloo line were under the same umbrella right from the beginning of the 20th century. But otherwise, everything worked in different ways. So nothing was unified and thought about and planned until the 30s. Right. So let's go back to the post office area, because I know there's Postman's Park there. It comes out of the knowledge a lot. Yeah, so post office station, we do... It's quite interesting because there's this island where the original lift shaft was to uh, post office station. And when in the 30s, the other thing they did was get rid of all the lifts. Well, not all the lifts, but they tried to put escalators in instead. So they rebuilt a lot of stations at that time, all the booking halls. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. And got rid of the lifts. And then the lift shafts were left empty. And then with the coming of the Second World War, other uses were found for them. Yeah. So what has been discovered quite recently is that the lift shaft for, I'll say post office station... Yeah, call it post office station. Um, like ...was used by the London Electrical Board, which had had its offices in Bankside and converted during the war um, into their offices, sleeping quarters, refectory area, for about a year. And they they operated the nation's electricity from down there, oh, which is quite amazing, it? really. Yeah, it is, it? yeah. Yeah, but it's good that it shows that these these 
stations or the disused parts of them could be used for other things. Exactly, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, so let's have a wander into Postman's Park yeah, while we're so there. Yeah, so while we're still talking underground and Postman's, we've also got to think about what's under our feet uh, because you've actually got the lines of male rail under your feet at that oh, point. Oh, right. So I don't know if you know about male rail. I've, do you know, it's, again, I've, it's like everything. I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. Okay. That's what you're here for. Yeah, yeah. So basically there was this much more efficient system of transporting mail around London uh, on, on the narrow gauge tracks underground, going from Paddington to sort of Whitechapel area. Okay. Uh, 23 miles of it. And they ran 19 hours a day. So they started digging the lines for it in about 1915, but were halted by the First World War. So it ran efficiently from 1927 to 2003. Okay. And did it have sort of stops along the way? It had about nine stops along the, le- along the way, one of which would have been at... Um, you know, the post office area of the City of London right. or King Edward Building. So would Mount now. Pleasant have had a station, for example? Mount Pleasant had a station, and okay. of course, where the post office museum is today. today yeah, yeah. And there you can still experience mail rail. You can go and book a tour on it. Right. So when you say you can still experience it, it's not used anymore? It's No, it was closed in, um, in, in 2000 and three, I believe, um, and it's been part of it. It's been converted into a visitor experience. Right, I have to have a look at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was aware it was there, but I didn't know its full extent. So it had nine stations between Whitechapel and Paddington. That's right, yes. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. And um, it ran very efficiently on these very small trucks, yeah. uh, cars on narrow-gauge railways um, underground, 70 foot underground. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so, next time I drive my taxi, I'll be thinking about the Underground Railway. And uh, so, so, moving on, desperate to get you into Postman's yeah, Park. Yeah, we can go into Postman's Park now, no problem. So, Postman's Park, unlike a lot of other parks in the city, um, predates the Second World War, predates, um, it was actually developed in the 19th century as a park, um, out of three graveyards. So the history behind that is what was... We've got all these graveyards in the city of London. You know, we're thinking about before the fire of London, there were 107 churches in the city of London in a square mile. Um, And they all had their own little burial grounds. Um, So we've really got getting on for a 1,000 years of burials in the city of London, which not really very healthy. No. And what happened in... was Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In the Victorian times, is that these burials and um, um, contents from coffins and things started getting into the water system. And as one of the causes of cholera, oh, and yeah. uh, so it was decided that no, we've got to get this out of the city and to take out all these bodies and move them to cemeteries outside of the city of London. So there was a call to in the 1830s for people to remove the bodies from these three burial grounds. One which was from Christchurch Greyfriars, uh, which is just opposite um, another monastery, and another from. Um, the church that's there today, which is St. Botov's Aldersgate, right. and the other from another church, St. Leonard Foster Lane, that was up, you know, off Cheapside, uh, which burnt down in the Great Fire. So these three burial grounds were removed at different stages. It right. wasn't... So would they relatives have been asked to remove the... Relatives were asked to remove any right. bodies they had, and any others were taken off to Manor Park, which became, at the end of the century, the City of oh, London yes, Cemetery. Oh, right, in East London, yeah. Um, belonged to the Duke of Wellington, I believe, the land... And um, so the bodies were removed and it was made in sections into a park. Um, and, of course, what is now most famous for is this memorial by um, Frederick Watt, George Frederick Watts, uh, which was a memorial to self-sacrifice to people who lost their lives saving others, such yes. as people from drowning or fires from buildings. And these all these plaques under a canopy there. So most people go there to see that. Okay. that unaware of what... Unaware of what's underground and yeah. why this park is there in the first place. So yeah. I really like to make people aware that, you know, that really the city was is full of bodies or would have been full of bodies. Yeah. And, of course, we're still finding them with Crossrail, with the burials from Bethlehem for it, Bethlehem yes, Hospital. Yes, yeah, yeah, I saw that on um, the news. And Charterhouse, they found a burial pit from the Black Death. So, the, and, you know, they found the odd Roman body buried in the city. So there are still human remains being found yeah. in, in London, in the Square Mile. So when I'm driving around, I'm not only driving over mail trains and undergrounds, I suppose there's people from sort of hundreds of thousands of years ago beneath the streets as well. Yeah, worth thinking about sometimes, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So let's come out yeah, Postman's Park. Let's come out Postman's Park, cross the road, and we go over to Gresham Street and turn off to the left, and there's Noble Street. Oh, and yes, I don't know I know. if you know yeah. the gardens in Noble Street. I do, yeah. So A couple the, of livery halls there, that's how I yeah, know Noble I'll Street. Tell you, yeah, I talk about livery halls too. So along uh, Noble Street, there's this rather curious garden um, not one that you can go into as a member of the public. In there are remains of buildings. So this is Noble Street. So 
The remains are all from different periods. So what we've got are bombed warehouses, uh, probably from textile industry from before the war, Victorian buildings. And then you've got medieval remains of um, uh, built along the Roman wall. And then you can see at ground level the foundations of the Roman wall. So this park is built like a museum almost then, is that what it's, you... Yeah, it's layers of history, but it looks like a bombsite. Oh, right. And it's left to look like a bomb site, but it reveals all these layers of history. I've and not including that. Isn't that the terrible? corner, including a square, which was from a, a Roman bastion from a fort built in 120 AD, which they realised they built the Roman wall alongside, oh, wow. um, which would have strengthened it, and which is why the Roman city has a kink in it. No one knew that until after the war. Why oh. it had a kink in it? It's because it built along where there's this uh, fort was. Oh, right. That would make sense again, yeah. yeah. So carrying on from there, we can move on up to Cheapside, really. Oh, no, actually, before that, we could go, mustn't forget, Guildhall. Oh, yes, yeah. Guildhall. Well, not Guildhall itself, but if we go under the Guildhall Art Gallery, what do we have there? Do you know? No, I don't, but I know I'm about to find out. Ah, yeah. So they discovered in the 1980s when they were rebuilding the art gallery, they discovered the foundations of the amphitheatre, or a Roman amphitheatre, which would have originally been built in wood in about AD 70 and then was rebuilt in stone. But for me, what's fascinating is you've still got the original wooden drains from AD 70 that you can see that they were preserved in in water, which was a tributary to the River Walbrook. Incredible. So the, the wood didn't rot? The wa- No, because of this muddy water's preserved. Right. was uh, preserved the actual found... And it's re- we're talking about the foundations of the City of London, really. Yeah. This is when the most... The beginnings of the city were really built... They, they built it yeah. beginning in the AD 50, but most of that was burnt down by Queen Boudicca in, in, uh, in uh, AD 60. Um, but there we have these wooden drainage yeah, below the, built below the amphitheatre yeah. that we can still see under a piece of glass today. To me, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. So yeah. talking about drainage, you just need to go a few f- feet away up towards Cheapside and you'll come out opposite Tesco's on the floor, you're, or on the pavement, I should say. You can see a plaque which says this is where the um, conduit for the great, uh, the great conduit was. Um, and this was a medieval water system which flowed from about the 13th century up to the Great Fire of London filtering water from the River Tyburn in Westminster um, into the city so there was drinking water. How clean would that have been? Well, that would have been a lot cleaner than the city drinking water in the Fleet and the Walbrook, that's right. for sure. Yeah. Um, and and it could also be um, converted. They could they could uh, block sections and convert it and, and pour wine in it for special occasions. So oh, that's not good. bad, is it? <laughs> that's a great idea. And probably healthier than the water, to be honest, <laughs> yes. at that time. So um, conduits, something got to remember as well. Water systems bringing in drinking water into the city. There was something like 20, 22 at one point. All underground. Yeah, underground with various points where you could uh, so, access it. Right, OK. These little rooms where you could access it. So we've kind of almost come to Bank Junction at this point. I know it well. 
So, and I don't know how, you know, how historic Bank Junction is. Um, yes, I've had chats with, with various people and they've sort of instigated and told me, you know, the stories and, and whatever about it. And it is a whole, it, you know, Royal Exchange, the Bank of England, it's just history. And of course, I'm interested in what's underground, aren't I? Ah, so, yes. So, I mean, right from Victorian times, they were discovering um, wonderful mosaics in the area. So the Bucklesbury mosaic, which you can see in the Museum of London. I've seen it. It's incredible. That was discovered there. Yeah. Um, but And we know that that area has been settled in continuously pretty right. much since Roman times. Uh, well, apart from when the Romans Why left. Why would that have been then? Well, I mean, it was... It was just this junction, really, that they came to, um, I guess, coming from originally from the river and then going out in other directions out to different parts of um, out to different parts of the UK. Um, But that area has just been built on and on and on on top of each other from Roman times, medieval times onwards. But um, it's also the point where um, the River Walbrook um, met, meets that area. And you might know there's a little narrow road near Mansion House called Walbrook. Yes, yeah. No, and that well. is actually the root of the river, which the root of the river as it goes down to the Thames. Oh, I see. And, I mean, there were still parts of it um, uncovered into, up until the 17th century or so. But, again, something that got very clogged up and dirty over the years. But would have been, in Roman times, would have been very well utilised and very important. And, and still, to some extent, in medieval times. But... Um, it, um, along it, we've got um, St Stephen's Walbrook. So that basically means it was a St Stephen's, the church of St yeah. Stephen, built along the Walbrook. But opposite, there's this brand new building called the Bloomberg Centre, yeah. which won the Sterling Prize for Architecture, yeah. I think, in 2016. Um, and when they built that, they promised that they would in- reinstall the London Mithraeum that had been discovered there in the 1950s. Oh, the Temple of Mithras. That's right. So there was this Temple of Mithras, which was this cult religion uh, uh, worshipped by um, mainly by Roman soldiers from the 2nd, 3rd century onwards, in London anyway. Um, and they followed this figure, Mithras, who's always seen depicting slaying a bull. And they discovered sculptures of Mithras there in 1954 when they were clearing the site for building. Now, there was great excitement at the time of finding this. So even my mum went to see it, apparently, yeah, I've heard as a lots kid. And lots of people, uh, yes. um, but then they kind of rather shoddily lifted it up and put it on Queen Victoria Street and lost lots of it in the process. And there it remained kind of forgotten about and just sort of this curiosity in the pavement until it was um, been reinstated by the Bloomberg. And they've made it into a visitor centre, so you can go and experience being in a Mithratic temple uh, with sort of chanting Brilliant. and light and things like that. But above it, they've got this lovely display of all the finds, um, you know, bits of leather shoes, scales, bits of amber, mosaic, um, you know, really amazing finds. Yes. Uh, wooden tablets, even with the first name London or Londinium written on it, dating from about AD 50, um, that have been discovered because these muddy waters preserved these organic substances, which are really very few are found anywhere yes, else. Yes, yeah, yeah. because yeah, you're just naturally inclined to think if it's in water, it's going to rot. But obviously, it doesn't happen. 
Well, no, it does get, I mean, it, it preserves yeah. it. Um, yeah. So that's really amazing. So I do recommend people go and visit visit that. Yeah, I've driven past it many times, dropped off there. You can visit for free, so... Um, yeah, no, I will do, I have to. So. I will go and have a look, especially after our discussions. So where do we go to now? Well, we carry on down Cross Cannon Street and Walbrook turns into uh, Dowgate Hill. Yeah. Along Dowgate Hill is... In, we talked about livery companies. Yes. I'll mention them. There's some fantastic livery companies along there with some ancient ones. So we've got the Dyers, the Skinners um, and the Wax Chandlers yes. all in a row together. And you've got to think there's one thing in common with all of those animal products yes they would all have had to use animal products in their industry and all of that what happens to that gets chucked in the river yeah. Yeah. So, all- well, it's, I'm, I was quite lucky for many, many years. I was a member of the Worshipful Company of Hackney Carriage Drivers. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I got to have dinner in a lot of these livery halls and got to uh, understand the history of them. Um, and yes, I know they're irresponsible. They, I mean, they, they obviously maintained the standards of the various trades etc um, but I'd know that for example the ones close to the river didn't think much about throwing waste materials yeah, into the yeah. Thames so I mean I can the, the, the livery halls as you, you probably know of established mostly in medieval times yes. and they as you say they were responsible for maintaining standards prices training apprentices um, and looking after the families of livery people paying for the funerals and things so they were really important at yeah. the time and you had to be a member of a livery company to be able to trade in the city of London so uh, and it meant that you could wear a uniform which identified yeah. that you could trade that's where the word livery comes from from a French word meaning uniform. So, yeah, you pass these livery companies and we get down to Walbrook Wolf, which is the last working wolf in the city. And what, what happens there? They deal with rubbish. So it's a bit smelly when you oh. go there. So there are, you can get down and you can see these barges and they they transport crates um, uh, crates along the river to be taken off to be recycled um, and anything that can't be recycled is burnt and made into gravel in, t- in uh, Tilbury um, and then used on for roads. So nothing is wasted whatsoever, uh, which is brilliant. Um, um, and then going along the river, we come towards London Bridge and we can see... Uh, there are small parts of where you can see remains of the former London Bridge. I won't, oh, say, right. I won't say the medieval one, <laughs> right? because the medieval one that lasted some 600 years um, really did disappear and yeah. was pulled down. But uh, there are bits of the uh, 19th century bridge that can be seen. There's still one uh, arch on the north bank, uh, buttress on the north bank, uh, and there's a whole arch. And is that well preserved? Yes, yes, it is still part of the bridge actually. But okay. the concrete sixty seventies bridge is built um across it, but it's yeah. still there. But we climb that bridge and there's a mini waitrose, a little waitrose. And some if you go around the corner of that little waitrose, you'll see a blue plaque. This is something that most people would miss, but it's really, really important. Well, certainly for this anyway, because this is a plaque to King William Street Station. Have you heard of King William Street Station? I know King William Street very well. I wasn't aware there was a station there, though. Well, there was, but very short-lived. And this was really important because this was built, a tube station built in 1890. 
for the City and South London Railway. So this was a railway that ran from Stockwell to King William Street. Okay. It was a terminus in the city. And um, it was the very first deep level tube using a great head shield built in London, built in England, built in the world. Wow. So this is the real first. And um, it... I say it was very short-lived because after 1900 they diverted the route from um, um, to uh, London Bridge and Bank um, because they went to the west side. The, the platforms were on the west side of London Bridge. Uh, there was a big kink and it went uphill. Often the trains would kind of slide down <laughs> and it was a bit of a bumpy ride. Right, yeah. Uh, You're also in what we call padded cell tubes, uh, cars. So you can see an example of this in the London Transport Museum. They were a different shape and smaller carriage than what we see today. And they had no windows, really comfy seats. That's why they're called padded cells. But just a little mirror at the top and no window. Uh, Because they thought if you're travelling underground, you wouldn't need to look out of a window. Well, there's some degree of sense in that. There is, but I think they didn't really understand people's psychology and claustrophobia at all. How would you know which station you were at? They had signs. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Maybe they called it out. Right, um, yeah, possibly. They did have signage on the walls, so you knew when you were on the platform where you were. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're looking, yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I've dozed, not dozed off, but you know you're on the underground and you think, oh, where maybe am I? And I look you have to quickly door, look out maybe. the window to maybe see you where you are. Yeah. Door, yeah. yeah, probably. Um, so that that is the site of uh, the first deep-level railway that um, became, in the end, it became part of the city branch of mm-hmm. the, the Northern Line. And today you can hear all this grumbling and stuff going on opposite, and that is because they are using the old tunnels from King William Street to um, extract all the clay and to import cement um, to recreate the new sections of Bank Station today, which is going to have a new entrance round there. It certainly is. Marilyn, you've given me something to think about when I'm driving around in my taxi, particularly through the City of London. Once again, thank you very much indeed. Okay, pleasure. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 